0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct to a prayer for attention to Acts chapter 2 and reading for our text, verse 39. Verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39. This chapter is a very, very important chapter for the Church of God. We would think of the first chapters in the Holy Scriptures in Genesis and how many truths are laid up there in those first few chapters that are foundation truths are built upon later on right through the scriptures. The creation, the uh, formation of man, the giving of the law, the breaking of the law, marriage. We have the Sabbath day. We have many, many foundation truths in those chapters. And then we have the beginning here of the Church of God, the first acts of the Apostles, the first things that happened after the Holy Spirit was given and the giving of the Holy Spirit, which is here in this chapter. And so it is is a a real vital uh, chapter. We have the promised Spirit first coming I will pray the Father, he shall give you another Comforter which shall abide with you forever, even the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive. They were bidden to tarry at Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. And this chapter records that power, and it fulfills that which Peter identified from Joel as well, uh, foretelling the time. Uh, that is recorded here. It must have been a wonderful thing for those men, and sometimes we would think of them almost as more than men, but they're just like you and I, and for them to realize that in their lifetime, and that their eyes had seen, had seen the Lord of life and glory, their eyes had seen the effect of the Holy Spirit given they had seen the fulfilment of promises and of scriptures of thousands of years before. And the Lord had so ordered it that it was in their day and their generation. and They were actually seeing it and witnessing it and being part of it. You know, when they were born, when they were growing up as young men, they would not have realised what was yet laid up in store for them in their lives and we know, of course, there will be a generation of God's children upon earth. They shall see the Lord's coming again. They shall see the end of the world. They shall realize that as the disciples' lot was to see and know what they knew, their lot was to see the coming of the Lord again. And so there we have then in this chapter the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, We have Peter standing up and preaching and speaking to them so clearly charging upon the people of Jerusalem here the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, while at the same time ascribing it to the counsel and foreknowledge of God. Verse 23, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, Ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain. Now very verse, what an interpretation that is of not just that event at Calvary, but of all that happens in the world. Men are accountable, they are responsible, they are charged here with their wicked hands doing it. But it's done by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God no kingdoms arise no men arise no governments no conflicts all that's happening in the world today is all under the lord's control and purpose it doesn't excuse the wickedness of wicked men but it does show the lord is in control and so a very important chapter important part there and then testifying of our Lord's raising up and his ascension and pointing again to the scriptures that had foretold of this. Also, it's a very clear pattern for the Church of God. Those that are converted under the preaching of the Word, they're brought to be charged and brought in guilty Is that their sins were that which crucified the Lord. They shall look upon him and they have pierced. Every one of God's children for whom Christ died will have in a greater or less measure a realisation that it was their sins that pierced him and that it was because of their sins that he died. And we have that picture here. Those that were pricked in the heart those who are slain by the Lord, brought in as sinners, and then they are appointed to Christ. And then they are encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they are appointed to the promises. They are appointed as they are pricked in their hearts. They are appointed to repentance, to turn away from their hatred of Christ, their rejection of Christ, to embracing Christ, to believing in him and trusting in him for the remission of sins. And there's given the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then we have the uh, exhortations to uh, these same people, those that were convicted, those who were brought to believe and a description of Those that were baptised, verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptised. The same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And we have the the picture of the order, the entrance into the church of God. And what did they do when they were baptised? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and in prayers. There were those things that followed. They weren't temporary believers. It wasn't a temporary impression. It was a lasting impression. Fear came upon every soul. What an effect it had, even on those that viewed these things. How it loosened their hold of the things of this world, so that they sold their possessions and those that uh, had to give to those that had not. And then there's that continuing, not just every now and again, but continuing daily. And uh, there's the picture of the church, the last verse, and the Lord added, to the church, daily such as should be saved. In other words, we're saying this is how there's additions to the church of God in this chapter, in the pattern, the things that transpired in this chapter. Just in one chapter, there's many things that later on, is there's furthermore developed. But it's quite a concise description of how the Lord adds to His church, His visible church and how that he calls his people, and how that he brings them together. Then we have with the word of our text what Peter adds to those that he is exhorted to repentance and baptism the of sins, those who were pricked in their hearts. For the promise is unto you and to your children And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I want to look with the Lord's help this evening. Firstly, the promise. For the promise is unto you. But then secondly, to whom the promise is unto, it is unto you and to your children and to all them. All that are afar off, and then we have lastly how the receipt of the promise is known, and it is by calling, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But firstly, there's the promise, and it's spoken here of thee promise. but throughout the word of God there is many, many promises and we're told that all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. That they all come to us through him. And in the epistles of John in 1 John chapter 2 verse 25 we read a clear statement and this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. And we have said before us that that life is in his Son. We have this morning in John 10, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. We go back to those first chapters in Genesis when there is given the first promise of the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. That singleness of promise in Christ is also repeated to Abraham. To Abraham were the promises made and it puts as promises because there were many promises the promise of a son, promise of the promised land, promise of Christ Himself. But the promise was unto you and your seed, not as seeds which is many, but seed which is one, Paul says to the Galatians, which is Christ. So again it was pointing to Christ. And we would say without Christ, without the coming of the Lord, without his sufferings, without his death, there would be no giving of promises, there would be not receiving anything at all. It is the Lord that said he would pray the Father and give you another comforter, and he shall abide with you forever. And in the previous verse... The exhortation to repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins is added to with the promise and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You might say that already. The partakers of the Holy Ghost in that they've been pricked in their heart. The Holy Ghost has been there. They... Uh, The disciples, they had spoken in tongues. But there's also the work of the Spirit in the sealing of the people of God. So Paul takes it up in his epistle to the Ephesians and he says to them in his first chapter uh, that in verse 12 and 13, in whom he also... That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or token of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. We are the purchased possession of Christ. That time of redemption is at death when the Lord will come and take his people at the end of the world, when he will gather his people together, those whom he has purchased, those who he wills to be with him in heaven. And... The, the blessing of the Spirit is evidenced. Paul refers to it with the Thessalonians, that the word came unto them, not in word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And it was this that the apostles had to wait for at uh, Jerusalem, for the Spirit, and the office of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord said, he shall not speak of himself, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. It is through the Spirit that is the author of the new birth. In John 3, our Lord insists she must be born again, and then tells us that the uh, it is the Spirit that is quickening and He comes so gently like the wind, you can't tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. And it is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. And so the promise that is spoken of is all centred in Christ, but in Christ there is many other promises. He is promised grace, my grace, Shall be sufficient for thee, there is saving grace by grace, ye say through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, but then there's grace to live and grace to go through trials, He giveth more grace, he giveth grace for grace, he gives the spirit of grace and supplications, and then that sinner prays, and the Lord then gives the answers to that prayer and blessing upon blessing that he gives his people. And so again with the Spirit, is the Spirit that is the author of the new birth, but then later in the lives of his people, the Spirit is active. Walk in the Spirit, says the Apostle, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be calmly minded is death. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And in a spiritual way, we must have the Holy Spirit to come and he indwells in the people of God. Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in you? And so this promise is in the Lord Jesus Christ in the giving of the Holy Spirit, in the quickening of the new birth. there's also of the promise of a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And Peter speaks of those exceeding, great and precious promises, those promises of eternal life, the promises to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, the promise of, uh, every blessing through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is what is said before them here, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So on to, look then, uh, secondly, at the... Persons to whom the promise is unto. There's three categories. The first is unto you, these that had been first hand in the crucifixion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Apostle Paul, he says that he obtained mercy to be as a pattern to them afterwards that should believe. He refers to himself as the chiefest of sinners. Well here we have an example of those who have been first hand in crucifying our Lord and there's the assurance that the promise is even unto them. And what an encouragement this is to those who maybe feel that they have sinned against all light and goodness, that they cannot possibly be saved. The Lord cannot possibly save them. And our attention is drawn to this people that it had, had miracle upon miracle done before them by our Lord. He taught them, he told them, they rejected his words, they blasphemed, they crucified him as a malefactor and numbered him with the thieves and here they were then, convicted of that. And the Apostle says there is hope. There is a turning even for you. you know, sometimes the devil will say when we're convicted of our sin, well, there's, there's no hope for you. It's too late to turn. It's too late to change. It's too late to desire to stop now because you're already damned, you're already uh, sentenced to death but the Apostle doesn't say that to these in fact our Lord upon the cross he said Father forgive them they know not what they do the great token and evidence here is that conviction and pricked in the heart and so Peter says you are those that had been first-hand in this, those that were pricked in their heart, the promise is unto you. The expectation is unto you. If you were to come to them then and say, have you really been called? Have you really been converted? Are you a real believer? Are you really saved? They wouldn't know that. But the Apostle recognises it and he recognises it in their conviction in their owning of it in their desiring, asking, what shall we do? And so this is the way that he directs them and it's with the expectation that they walk in that way there is yet yeah, the blessing that is to follow. And we may say, is in this way the Lord does call his people. He calls them and brings them to repentance and to godly sorrow for sin. So the first is to them, to you. May that be a word to each of us here and those that are listening tonight. The promise is unto you. If this is your character described, If this is your inquiry, what shall we do? If this is your heart-pricking, sinning against the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear David says in Psalm 51, Against thee the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. But then it's to their children as well. Why do they mention that? Because if we were to go back, if we were to go back to Matthew and we hear the solemn words that they said in Matthew 27 and verse 25, then answered, because Pilate had said, he said he took water and he he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it, But then the Jews answered, Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. What a solemn thing. And when they're pricked in their heart, when they hear these words, they must no doubt have thought, What have we said? What have we put this curse upon our children? Quite his blood be upon them. And so Peter says, The promise is unto you, and, and to your children, those that you brought this curse upon. I wonder how many parents that maybe have departed from the ways of the Lord and then brought up their children as heathens and then brought to be convicted themselves and then realised what they've put their children in that path of evil. I know in reading in the life of John Newton and when he was called by grace and changed from that blasphemer and slave trader, that he remembered all those that he brought in that path of ruin and led along in the path of destruction. That's a long thought. But here is a promise even to them is a great encouragement for parents great encouragement for the people of God and their offspring but then there's added a third and that is to all that are afar off again when Paul writes to the Ephesians he speaks to them they were the Gentiles they were those that were afar off and he says to them in chapter 2, that at that time ye we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace peace. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us? Those that are far off, maybe tonight, there's how you feel. Is that how you feel? Far off, separated, banished, sin separated, in your thoughts, in your feelings. So perhaps months, years ago, you were seeking the Lord. You seem to never get any closer, but further and further away, and further and further from any hope and expectation or blessing. But we read here that that promise is, not to some, but all that are afar off. And I can't help but feeling that especially this is, to those that feel afar off. Those that feel so separate. Do we think of how Ruth, how she felt, even though she loved Naomi, brought into the land of Israel, brought next to Boaz and in his field. She says, why dost thou take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Though I be not like one of thine own handmaidens. And this is the language of one that doesn't feel like the people of God. Feels a misfit. Feels not to really be like them at all. Feels afar off. But the promise is even unto them. And especially unto them in how they feel. With Christ, there is hope for those far-off sinners. I always think it's a lovely thing recorded in Luke 15 with the prodigal son. Now he was brought to be convicted of his sin, to be in want, to long to be back with his father. And as he began to go back, as he resolved to go back, We read, while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran to him. It's a beautiful encouragement. You might think, we're so far off and such a long way back. But that picture is just as soon as there is a beginning. The Lord comes for his dear people. He has wrought in them that desire to return. Thou only hast wrought all our works in us. Want to look then, thirdly, how receipt of the promise is known. At the end of our text, we read, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That is what determines as many children, as many of those here, as many as those afar off that determine who shall be saved. It's as many as the Lord our God shall call. And in one sense, what we've already said about the conviction under the preaching, the desiring, what shall we do, the being pointed, to repentance and baptism and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the marks of calling. They're marks of God's work, not man's work. And at the end of our text, it's clearly the Lord who calls as many as the Lord our God shall call. In John 10, the Lord says, My sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow me. He calls them. Those of you who have perhaps seen a shepherd calling his sheep, like I saw my father calling his cattle, out of sight they were, didn't respond to My voice. I couldn't bring them. As soon as he called, then they responded. Then they came. We need to keep close to the scriptural definition of calling. Mine ear hast thou opened, and that which they hear is... The word of the Lord. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. The mark of the Spirit as well. In John 16, the disciples puzzled how it was that he should reveal himself unto them, but not unto the world. And he said it was because the world could not see the Holy Spirit. That they did, because he was to come and indwell in them. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And when the Lord calls, he gives the people to know that secret. And the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And to be open to hear the word of the Lord. As many as the Lord our God shall call. This is one of the beautiful shells of scripture, and it should really encourage us to pray, continue to pray for ourselves, for our children, for those that are far off, because salvation is of the Lord. We would remember it as when Jonah was praying even in the whale's belly, the Lord heard him. Jonah was able to say salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord delivered him from the whales valley. And so we have a beautiful word here, a promise. Promise of every blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how those blessings first are conveyed to a sinner. I trust we know. Some of us know what it is to be brought first to have a concern for our soul, first to realise that we are a sinner by real feeling and conviction. It's not the amount, it's not how much we know, but the reality. Remember, the Apostle Paul only speaks of being convicted concerning one sin, and it really is if we are brought in guilty for one sin, then we shall need as much the precious blood of Christ and his redemption to save us from that one sin, as if we were convicted of every sin. And so, very often the Lord does work in that way. I mean, you may have read some accounts of the Lord's people various things the Lord has used sometimes there's just been the Sabbath breaking and the Lord has used that to convict of sin other things has been other individual things or some there's been a general sense of the great sinnership in everything we do in thought, in word, in deed to feel that sin is mixed with it all But the extent or the depth varies so much with the people of God. The important thing is, does it lead us to Christ? Does it bring us to Christ? Does it take us away from ourselves with the thought of redeeming ourselves or working our way out of the need? That's a test of the reality of any conviction. That Christ be the one thing needful. That there be a realisation, I, without him, perish must. To whom can we go, Says Peter? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Nor may this word be an encouragement and a blessing to us here, for the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen.